Hello and welcome to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and beside me is Ben and thank you again for joining us as we talk about our passion for the past while being young at heart. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate the show where you get all of your podcasts and share the love of Young Nostalgia. We are on iTunes, Google Play as well as Stitcher and any positive review helps us grow. Find us on Podbean, youngnostalgia.podbean.com, and you'll find our Facebook and Twitter links as well. Without further ado, Ben, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Nolan? Living the dream as always. So this month, we're <laughs> super excited to be bringing you a theme of the Rat Pack. So the entire month of October, we're bringing you individualized episodes of top members of the Rack Pack and this Rat Pack and this week we're bringing you Dean Martin and um, I guess we'll just get right into it. We got a half hour to give you the awesomeness that was Dean Martin. So kind of to sum up who Dean Martin was, um, he was born in Steubenville, Ohio on June 7th, 1917 to Italian immigrants as Dino Paul Crosetti. So, um, I mean, both Ben and I are from Ohio, so I think that's super cool. Mm -hmm. um, do you know where Steubenville, Ohio even is? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> do you? Nope, I have no idea either, but it's somewhere in the big heart-shaped state of Ohio. Um, so, <laughs> contract with MCA um, to sing in New York City was when he got his big break into... Um, the pop culture world um, there. That's where he met Jerry Lewis, which we had our first then and now on. And they started a long running comedy partnership that stretched the um, likes of radio, television, and film. Um, and these guys were just absolutely hilarious dynamic duo of slapstick comedy <laughs> along with the straight and narrow Dean Martin. Have you been, ever gotten the chance to um, watch a few of their skits or anything? Um, I've seen a little bit here and there. I haven't had really a chance to watch too much of it. Yeah, same here. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's always like it catches your eye when it's on, um, mm -hmm. and and, and kind of just it, it's inter it's interesting to to listen to the comedy that was back then. It's so much different than what we're used to now. Oh yeah, um, with like I don't know, just obviously comedy changes with the, with what the world is is like what's happening in you know in the nation of the world. But just what's um, what's even like acceptable too has changed so much. Oh yeah. And then um, the dramatic split of Jerry Lewis and Dino happened in 1956, and from there, Martin officially joined "quote unquote" the Rat Pack, also including Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Joey Bishop, and Peter Lawford. And there's been many of people going in and out of the group as well. Um, and Las Vegas was their pretty much foundation and stage for their shows as well as film. All right, dude. So that lays the groundwork. Take us off. All right. We're going to back up a little bit here and kind of talk about uh, a couple high points of his early life. And early, uh, early in life as a teenager, he picked up drums as a hobby, which you don't really think, you know, you don't really associate Dean Martin with drums really ever, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> I know. It, I mean, it, it's super cool, though, because the way of learning the drums, I feel like you have a really bass rhythmic line. So even when you're singing, it helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that rhythm is really a, a, a kind of a ground floor level of, you know, everything musically after that. So moving on a little bit, he dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. And around this time, he started working uh, a lot of odd jobs 
and uh, one kind of major one of those, he was an amateur welterweight boxer. <laughs> um, and his his nickname as a boxer was Kid Crochet, um, which is just I don't know. It's just weird. I, mean, I don't know. Like it, I. I... <laughs> and so I think I have heard the boxer thing um, at another time. I, you know, I, it's one of those things I probably heard it and didn't really think much of it. Um, but now when you're doing show prep for this show, it's just one of those things that caught our eyes. And it's like, it, it's just something you don't think about with, uh, you know, someone like Dean Martin, especially, and on top of that, nickname Kid Crochet, which is <laughs> kind of weird <laughs> as well. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to hit that pretty face of Dino's, do you? No, that's that's very true, yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't you always find it weird, too, how, like, super successful, famous people also, like, dropped out of high school? Yeah, there's so many of them. And I guess if, you know, if you're that talented in what you do, I mean, you know, you don't need, there's no reason not to just do it. Which, I mean, it's yeah. not like he just dropped out to be a singer right then and there. But, yeah. you know, it seems like these people, they might... They, they haven't pursued other, you know, ventures in their life, and what they do is so good that they, they don't really have to worry about, you know, the background and all that. Yeah. So uh, the, their mind works in just different ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like that's the same with most major musicians. I mean, their mind is so wrapped around music. They, they could be totally terrible at anything else, but, man, they could, you know, they could just pick up an instrument and just instantly start playing. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, kind of got off on a tangent a little bit there. Um, around this time and continuing on, um, he also did a lot of dabbling with uh, illegal activities. Um, <laughs> this included uh, drive. He drove liquor across state lines during prohibition, which is, I mean, looking back on it, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> he sold uh, lottery tickets under the table um, and acted or worked as a bookie. And as a card dealer um, for local gambling joints, which is, you know, you think of Dean Martin and, you know, it doesn't really seem too out of the question, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, um, you know, especially later on in the, the Las Vegas scene and all that. And it, you know, it doesn't really seem too out of the ordinary. Yeah. And, and it's interesting to see the connection because, I mean, we've talked about Frank Sinatra a little bit in our very first episode of Young Nostalgia and how his dream was to be a part of like the mafia and here <laughs> Dean Martin is like yeah. already dabbling in it when he's not even graduated from high school. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, let alone being like 17 years old um, and, and just getting that kind of, <laughs> getting that yeah, kind of experience that ex- is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you know, it might not be in his, in the field that he's famous for, but you know, that's life's experience under your belt that, you know, you know, life experience is life experience depending on what, you know, it doesn't matter where it's at. Yeah. I mean, and, and then by the time they went to Las Vegas, he already knew how to work it. So he could be cool, oh, yeah. cool as a cucumber and not give a crap. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like child's play for him at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we'll jump into um, the start of his big career in showbiz. Martin began his show business career at the age of 17, singing in Ohio nightclubs near his town. Um, dang, so do you think in the small little town of Ada, he was in uh, like uh, the Regal Beagle or anything? <laughs> I don't think anyone famous has ever been in the Regal Beagle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'd be caught dead there. <laughs> uh, 
Oh my gosh. Um, so during a stint <laughs> a with Ernie McKay band, he was noticed by Cleveland band leader Sammy Watkins, who then hired him on as the band's featured vocalist. And so from there, pretty much got him skyrocketed into uh, the spotlight of people hearing the name Dean Martin. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to start somewhere. And, you know, it's, it's, you know even if it's uh, something as relatively small as a Cleveland band leader, I mean, it's not, I'm sure it was big, you know, around the area, but, you know, Cleveland's not, you know, people don't flock to Cleveland for, you know, to see their band leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, um, <laughs> but any, you know, any way you can start getting your name out there and then you can just keep building upon it and then, you know, look at, you know, look at what Dean Martin is now. Yeah, I always feel like these kind of things start behind the scenes. So he was probably like somewhere um, in a nightclub, you know what I mean? Just got done with his set, and then this guy just pulls him backstage and says, I want to give you a shot. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And then Dean Martin just picks up his bags, goes to Cleveland, and lays it out all out on a line. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because <laughs> something I've I've also heard a lot of is like people that really make it they almost just have nothing else to lose and they just go out against all odds. Yeah. You know, that, that is true. I have, I've heard that. It seems like a lot of these, whether it's actors, you know, any sort of celebrities, not necessarily musicians. It seems like, it seems like they don't spend a lot of time really building their career, building their career and, you know, slowly get into the top. It's like all of a sudden, I mean, they might be down to their last nickel and they just get a break and all of a sudden, you know, they're, you know, they might not be on the top, but, you know, they're they're soaring in popularity. You know, that once their name is noticed and once their, their art form is noticed, then, you know, it's nowhere to go but up. And that's exactly what happened to Dean Martin. So continuing through Cleveland, he began touring with the Watkins in 1938 and in 1940, and then soon changed his name to Dean Martin instead of the Dino Paul Corsetti. <laughs> kind of rolls <laughs> off the tongue a little bit better. Yeah, doesn't it? Instead of <laughs> Kid Crochet. <laughs> yeah. In September of 1943, Martin signed an exclusive con- contract with MCA to sing at the um, Rio Bamba Room in New York. And so this was kind of, oh, man, I feel like it was, you knew you made it when you were on the Ed Sullivan Show. This is when, like, you book that first contract and have a huge, you know, ballroom set in new york city right and you know it you know moving to new york city like that i mean it's basically it's it's really your first kind of national spotlight i mean people that's the kind of city people from all over the country are going to for that scene and so uh this uh, contract with mca was really his first break into that kind of a national figure um you know, where where people from all over the country, potentially, you know, from other countries are, you know, coming in and, you know, experiencing his his uh, music for the first time. Exactly. And in 1944, he was given his own 15-minute radio program entitled Songs by Dean Martin, which was broadcast from New York City. And I'm guessing it was a syndicated show that went all the way around um, the U.S. And this was, I mean, even a way to see a different side of Dean Martin. So... You know, just getting to know his voice and almost like his personality through radio can really connect with the fans at a much deeper level. Right. And, and you know, it's different than just having your music, you know, your recordings played over the radio. There's, 
you know, each, if you're, uh, part of a radio program where there's, you know, there's a mix in of, of a little bit of live music and, you know, uh, maybe uh, chit chat in between, it's a lot more personal, you know, uh, connection between audience and the, uh, entertainer rather than just a, uh, pre-recorded song that, you know, still gets your, still gets your music out there and, you know, your fans can still listen to it, but, you know, you get that extra, you know, personal touch to that, uh, to that, to that, uh, encounter. Definitely. Moving on into 1946, after his, um, continuous radio show, he signed a contract and recorded four songs with Diamond Records, and I believe this is really what kind of, um, solidified his early singing career um, and the mm-hmm. kind of style that Dean Martin had with the big bands. Because um, after that, moves on to his more live stage section of his career that we that he was very much known for for many years, over 10 years, in fact. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll let you take that away. that was kind of a time where away. he was an overall entertainer rather than you know just a, a singer and musician. You know, there was... Uh, got into skits and... Uh, it, it, like a variety show kind of deal rather than just a uh, musical entertainer. So uh, we'll go on to uh, Dean Martin meeting Jerry Lewis. Um, during a club engagement in 1946, uh, Dean Martin uh, was introduced to Jerry Lewis, and the two began joking around with each other um, on and off, dur- uh, both during and between their own acts. Um, and then later on in 1947, Martin and Jerry Lewis uh, ended up teaming up um, and Martin played the straight man to Lewis's uh, comedy act basically um, and that was really that was kind of the the spark that you know launched a whole nother section of of Dean Martin's career and that's you know another, or ended up being uh, a major facet that he's known for today Um NBC uh, would broadcast a regular 30-minute radio programming featuring the pairs uh, in starting in 1949, and then they made their television debut <laughs> in the uh, Colgate Comedy Hour in 1950. <laughs> um, <laughs> the um, <clears throat> then the Martin and Lewis comedy team um, they ended up making 16 films to 16 films together uh, between the years of 1949 and 1956 which I mean in a span of seven years 16 films is a lot I know and and I wonder what they mean by films if it's like those 30 minute comedy shows you know what I mean or like the the Mm -hmm. hour comedy shows that um, people would enjoy like mid midday on the weekends or late late at night um, as like their own late show but um Definitely something cool, and, and I always feel like the dynamic duo of Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin as are what we know now as like the blue collar guys. How they have <laughs> two different sides of um, comedy, and they all kind of balance each other out. Where some right. can be the butt end of certain jokes, and you know some are making the jokes. So I believe that that combination between Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin really sparked with um, the American people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, they had a. The, the teamwork that they had during acts, it was just like you were saying, you know, it wasn't both of them, you know, you know, getting one-liners in and, and that sort of thing. There was, there was give and take between the two and, and, uh, it was a dynamic that wasn't really, 
it, it's not seen all the time. A lot of times there's there's always it, it, you know it might be a group of people, but it's it's just all it might be all slapstick comedy or anything like that. And these two worked kind of together back and forth and uh, kind of a unique way. So we'll move on a little bit um, to Martin and Lewis's last show together was at the Copacabana in New York on July 24th, 1956. Um, and this is after 10 years as a team, um, they ended up splitting up due to creative differences, which is very unfortunate. <laughs> very unfortunate. <laughs> I always feel the creative differences is the nice way of saying they curse each other out and got sick of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Biogra- biographical writer uh, Neil Daniels, fans of the famous comedy duo, uh, looked at them as being a married couple almost. Uh, when the breakup <laughs> occurred, <laughs> it was uh, it was a like a sudden divorce, and I like it really. Really shocked people um, because they thought Martin and Lewis would go on forever, and that was a quote um, written by the uh, the biographer, um, and that kind of summed up their their act um that we had just been talking about how there was such a close teamwork and it was kind of a shock um when the two split and they weren't going to be working together anymore yeah and i don't know what it is i mean i don't know if creative differences kind of you know breaks their ties of friendship but you see in the subsequent years they don't really associate with each other that much Mm -mm. when it comes to you know pop culture and and what they're doing but then you also see, you know, popular stars that kind of, you know, still hold that connection together and then come back together, you know, later on in the future. But Jerry Lewis and mm-hmm. Dean Martin just never did that. So I just don't know if the falling out really kind of just broke ties of the friendship because I think that's what happened. But sometimes, you know, celebrities might just want a creative difference of, you know, what, I want to do my own thing for a little mm-hmm. while and then we'll come back to it. But these guys, I feel like something really happened behind the scenes that really just them straight apart yeah and you know that behind the scenes stuff is is so hard to tell um but uh dean martin was still really trying to focus on his singing career right along this time and uh right after this uh, he ended up partnering with Capitol records um and you know one of the big hits he recorded at this time was uh that's a more uh and uh memories are made of this um when you're smiling and oh marie and you know all these big songs um you know so that dean martin was able to you know they made this split and he was able to you know he just kind of didn't fall off the face of the earth you know as the team split he he uh was able to kind of rebuild his singing career and you know came out with some really big hits that you know everyone knows today definitely and uh i'm sorry go ahead no no that's okay i, I was just going to put in a little blurb of the way jerry lewis went was almost more of the um, philanthropic route with his famous name and, and who he was. He um, was doing that MDA, you know, television and radio broadcast where he raised over, oh, yeah, yeah. what was it, $4 billion? Over, it was like 2 or $4 billion for... Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I think we talked about that uh, last show, I believe. I can't remember that number off the top of my head. Yeah, and it was like over 40-some years he hosted it. And that's kind of where he went with, it, with his uh, individualized career path yeah and that's almost become one of the main things that he that he's really known for you know you think about jerry lewis and at least me anyway and you know yeah i know about the earlier career you know he worked with dean martin and that sort of thing but you know that's 
really one of the first things you think about is, you know, that the philanthropy work that he did and not so much his, you know, the earlier, just the, the comedy aspect, uh, to everything. And, and, uh, it's, it's, it seems like it gets overlooked quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Both super All right, so we'll get back to in their own ways. All right, dude. So the Rat Pack. <laughs> so this is the the big part that we always enjoyed of, of uh, the image of Dean Martin. So it was around this time that Martin began performing in Las Vegas with a group of close friends who are members of the legendary Hollywood clique known as the Rat Pack. And you can guess who these are. Uh, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis, Joey Bishop, and Peter Lawford. And optimized for the high life, booze, women, and the bright lights of Las Vegas. Um and then he soon branched out from Vegas to Hollywood, where he actually joined the same um, group of misfits that continued to be the spotlight <laughs> of the 50s and 60s. <laughs> and I don't think there could be a better description, you know, uh, you know, than what you just said. Epitomize the high life of booze, women, and the bright lights of Las Vegas. <laughs> I think you know, we could just come into the show with that, say that. And I think that's, you know, that covers everything. I know. I mean, just thinking of a guy who just, I don't know, man. He just, he just walked cool, talked cool, looked cool. I mean, I I know you and I think everybody that was named here for the Rat Pack are awesome and cool, but I don't think there's anybody else who could tell he tell you that he hates you and you'd still like him like Dean Martin. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Even though we never talked to him, but um, <laughs> so the Rat cool Pack, <laughs> the Rat Pack started as, as an ensemble cast in the caper um, film Ocean's Eleven, which I've really been trying to watch and stream, but the stream just keeps on um, cutting out. So like one one minute I'll see Frank Sinatra talking, and then the next Dean Martin will be like doing something weird, drinking a beer, or well, actually it's probably whiskey. <laughs> So I missed like a whole 10 minutes of dialogue. Anyway, super good movie, followed by The Sergeants um, 3 in 1962 and Robin and the Seven Hoods in 1967. It was pretty much the whole iconic Rat Pack throughout all of these films um, that kind of brought the whole humorous side of things. Martin appeared in a total of 51 films throughout his lifetime, including Some Came Running in 1958 excuse me, with Shirley MacLaine and Frank Sinatra, Bells Are Ringing in 1960 with Judy Holliday, Rio Bravo in, in 1959 with John Wayne, Toys in the Attic 1963, Airport 1970, Cannonball Run 1981, and Cannonball Run 2 1984. And that is a short list of, you know, a, a, a small part uh, of the, you know, the huge ensemble of uh, Dean Martin associative movies. And I, I think I've seen a couple of those on there. Definitely Rio Bravo. I've seen that a couple times. That's great. Well, I mean, it's got John Wayne in it. So John <laughs> yeah. Wayne and Dean Martin. You know, it can't be bad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that is, yeah, that's quite a lineup. I know. So, in addition to uh, this, the acting career in the movies, um, they also had uh, the Dean Martin Show. So, in 1962, Martin left Capitol Records, and he ended up signing with Reprise. Um, and then, later on in 1964, he recorded his blockbuster hit, Everybody Loves Somebody, um, which actually beat the Beatles to number one 
the number one hit in America for one week. Um, and then not only did this become the, you know, it, it roast immediately to the top, but it became the things, the theme song for his television variety series, um, the Dean Martin Show, which ran on NBC for eight years beginning in 1965. That's amazing, especially how, I mean, we've talked about the, the British invasion before and the impact that it had on the U.S. culture was really something that changed the way that music came to America. But mm-hmm. how the swing era still survived in 1964 for Dean Martin to be blockbuster hit, Everybody Loves Somebody, number one for one whole week is like well, Over the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, they were the biggest thing there was, and he beat them. <laughs> you know, maybe not for long, but <laughs> yeah, that's <true. laughs> you know that's impressive. <laughs> it is <laughs> that's impressive very for impressive. anyone. <laughs> um, and then uh, after that, Martin. Uh, after that series, uh, then came the Dean Martin Comedy Hour, which ran from uh, 1973 to 1974, relatively short lived, and as an indelible part of uh, Martin's TV shtick. Uh, he had a comedic portrayal, um, you know, of a uh, al- alcoholic lush. Um, <laughs> and there was there was quite a, a high percentage of people who never realized it was just an act for, you know, the TV show. Oh, um, yeah. It was just, you know, the part that he played and, you know, that wasn't, you know, necessarily his real everyday life. Even though he was surrounded by it all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> um, uh, and this is, this is kind of funny uh, right here. This is a, uh, this is a quote that you know, Dean Martin was talking about alcohol. I, can't, I don't know exactly what he was asked, but this was his response. Um, I feel sorry for people who don't drink. They wake up in the morning, and that's the best they're going to feel all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right i think cut show time. i think that might be <laughs> i think that might be that might be a new show slogan <laughs> yes please <laughs> <laughs> oh that i might I think that's my fun, favorite quote ever that's great that's <laughs> <laughs> so funny oh boy <laughs> so now really going behind the scenes with his personal life dean martin is married three times first to elizabeth ann mcdonald october 2nd which is Today, I guess when we're recording, it is October second. So, however many so years basically yesterday, okay. yeah, what? Well, yesterday. Well, by the time when, this comes out, it'll be yesterday. <laughs> Dang it! This whole segment right now just doesn't make any sense to anybody listening. October second, nineteen forty-one. He married his first wife. They had four children together, and uh, married the second his second wife um, to Jean Biger on September first, nineteen forty-nine. They had three children together, so a total of seven children um, for Dino currently. And in 1973, Martin married his third wife, Catherine May Hahn, and they adopted another daughter named Sasha. His marriage to Hahn um, ended in 1976, very short-lived love, um, but they were able to give love and a home to a daughter named Sasha. So quick and dirty rundown of uh, Dino in the sheets. But other than that, <laughs> wow! <laughs> what? All right, well, <laughs> all right. Let's move on to death and legacy, and we've hit the legacy part pretty well in this in this along this episode. Um, 
Martin suffered a, uh, he had a tragic loss uh, when his son Dino Jr. was killed. Um, he was killed in a plane crash during a military training exercise in 1987, which is, I mean, that'd be hard on anyone. Oh, really? Most definitely. Oh, that, that would be absolutely awful. Um, and then shortly following that, he retired from show business. Um, he had an eight, 1988 to 1989 concert tour with, um, fellow Rat Packers, Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra, and that was really the end of his show business career um, at that point, because shortly afterward he became ill, and he was uh, replaced by Lisa Minnelli uh, for the remainder of the tour, so he actually really didn't even finish the tour um, before getting sick. Yeah, and that was kind of the last bout for Frank Sinatra as well. He kind of came out of retirement for for the 1988 tour, Um, Mm -hmm. and I think really all of them just kind of laid low after that. Yeah, I mean, you don't really hear much of anything really after you know after really that late '80s time period. Kind of they kind of just faded off into their you know their personal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, um, uh, about you know ten years later ish, uh, he Dean Martin died of acute respiratory respiratory failure on Christmas morning in 1995 uh, at the age of 78. Um, at the time, he was living in his home in Beverly Hills, California. Definitely lived a full Which, life full of uh, excitement and good times, but it doesn't, you know, it's not too surprising just because, I mean, these guys would smoke one after another, especially in, in good company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Christmas morning was kind of interesting. I I really had never known that before. Um, doing a little bit of research, kind of diving into his life uh, for this show, um, that would that would be uh, that would be kind of uh, weird to say the least. Um, that'd be kind of a weird fi- weird feeling on uh, Christmas, and then you know subsequent Christmas times. You um, know, I totally agree for the family. Um, and then wrapping it up, uh, Martin is definitely a, a legendary screen and stage performer, um, and he's extremely well known for his comedic partnership with Jerry Lewis um and for his I mean his gigantic uh place in the part uh in the Rat Pack and he's his career was so incredibly broad I mean there's not very many people who have done that many things in their life mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, at to the, to that success level um you know he, he had the the stint in TV he had the 51 movies he was in which is i mean that's a that's a ton and in addition to his uh his substantial singing career um it's really pretty impressive yeah you don't really see too many you know big name celebrities these days so multifaceted like those kind of guys were so many celebrities now it seems like it seems like they do one thing and they may or may not do it well (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they don't really have, you know, so many times in movies they have a singing part for an actor or an actress, and it's not even their voice. They're, you know, dubbing something in, like they can't even, you know, handle that part in a movie. But back in the day, I mean, to be to to, to be a success at all in the entertainment uh, industry, you had, to be, you had to have the big three. You had to be able to sing, you had to be able to act, and you had to be able to dance. Yep. And if you didn't have that, then, all right, see you later. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Get yeah. out of here. And obviously times have changed so much where Yeah. People can really just kind of 
tunnel vision where they find you know their passion and their strong entertainment value but back then it was to be able to connect with the audience you had to be able to do those big three because those were the types of entertainment that was prevalent all around Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean you're yeah you're right it does it kind of shows what you know it's always going to follow what the people want to see and i guess i guess people just they don't require that same uh broad talent as much as they used to yep all right dude and that's a wrap so thanks again for joining us young nostalgia this week as we continue the journey through retro pop culture as always if you enjoy the show leave a kind review on itunes or wherever you listen um and if you got a future topic or you want to be a guest give ben and i an email at young nostalgia 2017 at gmail.com that's young nostalgia 2017 at gmail.com so as we are bringing you this whole themed rat pack for october next week we're going to bring a sammy davis jr and um yep keep on listening and keep on doing what you're doing thanks so much for tuning in and as always here on young nostalgia keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full take care everybody <laughs>